Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Hours here at Cofield and Company. Will Ramirez is the company. Ari's running the show here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Heavy Big Five on the Mountain West from a football standpoint and conference realignment standpoint. Later in the hour, we'll get to the Raiders news of the day. And there was some news. Pads went on. So we'll find out what Adam Hill learned as he was out there very early this morning, along with Will Ramirez and Ed Graney and lots of folks here from Lotus Broadcasting. We're all over the Raiders. And of course, we have. Raiders content, heavy, heavy Raiders content every day on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. So make sure you tune in very early in the morning. If you're not going to listen to the press box, listen to Clay Baker and company over on 920 a.m. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. I got so excited when I saw the Willie Ramirez story list because I felt like there was a link here, right? Yesterday, we talked about French castles. And then Willie sends over a story with something talking about Frenchies. But then when I read it, this story is even better than I expected. K Perk, Kendrick Perkins, is in the doggy business. This is incredible and incredibly lucrative. I was blown away by this. What am I doing radio for? Yeah, get me some dogs. Let's go. We we have a close friend who breeds Frenchies, but trying to make money. Breeds English bulldogs, breeds Frenchies. Okay. We have, we have what are what are, the, what are the Frenchies? And there's like all different kinds of Frenchies. Yeah. There's well, there's an American. There's the English bulldog. There's the Frenchies. But the Frenchies are the hot thing right now. Well, he said they the Frenchies previously came in what? Uh, they were black, white, and now there's a lilac. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Well, with the way that they they breed them, and and I mean, and the rarer the coat, the higher price. So he had six puppies in a in a recent litter, ranging in price from eight thousand to twenty thousand dollars a piece. They sold out in three days, <laughs> made sixty grand. I, I think he said that aren't they up to like forty plus and it's worth they're worth like the business is worth like four or five million dollars now? Oh yeah, this is this is something so I'd never it, heard of this before. You never heard of breeding dogs? I never heard of Frenchies. You never heard of French bulldogs? No. I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen these. These are neat, they're neat looking little dogs. I'm not a dog guy. I think I'm not if, well researched on dogs. I am, I'm cats 99.9% of the time, my friend. You never seen the movie Bringing Down the House? No. Big Steve League Moore. Exotics is the yeah. company. So they built up a kennel, social media pages, uh, reinvesting the proceeds from the litters into getting more adult Frenchies to breed. And now they have 42 dogs. Um, value of those dogs is somewhere between four and five million dollars. I believe Jay Z may have bought some, bought one. By the way, this is this is all cool because haven't we heard? Haven't we gotten on? We've gotten on several of our friends who were like, you know, five and ten thousand dollar dog guys instead of just going to the, you know, going to the pound. And I understand well, there's a market of super rich I, people I, who want these specialized dogs. I'm I'm waiting for the the backlash from PETA because they're against right. you know. Breeders. What'd you pay for Kalua? Like twenty five grand? What? <laughs> he paused for a second. He's like, "That's yeah, close." No, a little less than a grand. Okay. Is that expensive? No, because I, like I, I went to the person who breeds 
that, that we're close friends with, Jordan and I are close friends with, that breeds Frenchies and English Bulldogs and Pitts. And I explained everything mm-hmm. and told him, and he said, because they, they know other breeds and, you know, you, you get to know the business. And he said I was actually getting a good deal because um, full bred, even champion blood, dachshunds can go as high as 2500 Wow. By the way, I will I will not show the story to the significant other at home. Absolutely not. I'll email. She's been she's been working for a dog. Do not show these dogs. I'll send it to her because they are adorable. Oh wow! My God! But no one in my household is paying eight thousand dollars for a dog. Sounds like they might be more from Kendrick Perkins. It's craziness. Number four. You know what's crazy? The city of Boise thinking it matters. <laughs> Can we all pump the brakes on this? Listen, no. I know. And it's funny. Last hour I said I'm, I'm going to refrain from being, you know, over the top, ripping different universities. But the Boise people are, yeah, you've wanted football for a few years. You're still Boise. Relax. I had some guy get into a discussion with uh, one of our uh, followers is a big UNLV fan, UNLV Rebel Girl. And she's been like real aggressive, you know, pushing UNLV to get to the Power Five. And she said, uh, you know, UNLV has a better market, better facilities, better geographically, more future potential. Why wouldn't they be mentioned ahead of Boise for Power Five realignment? Some guy named John said, Boise State is a nationally recognized football program with a solid basketball team, and UNLV hasn't been relevant since the 1992 team in basketball. And I decided to get involved because, like, bruh. And I simply said, let's pump the brakes on nationally recognized. You know, they've, they've broke ranks from group of five and had some good years. It's still Boise, Idaho. It's still market 106. And the comeback was... Well, if you ask any average fan, they all know the blue turf. That that okay. you're nationally recognized for your field. Let me tell you something. Boy, Boise State and the city of Boise have they have a lot of positives. And I'm not saying it's a slam dunk that UNLV is more interesting. I know football success is going to be part of this, but I'm getting a little tired of people around the conference, other schools, Willie, looking down their nose at the city of Las Vegas. Cut it out. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a stretch at this point to say nationally re- recognized. Um, at you know, um, I mean, when I think of Boise State football, you know, we cover it. I mean, yeah, they're they, they, they've fallen off from that where they were a scare, you know, some time ago. But I mean, at this point, I, I think back to one of their most memorable moments, and it was after the Statue of Liberty and. Football player proposed to the cheerleader. I mean, that's that's more popular than the program. As like as I said, the school has some positives. They're in a decent not, position not, to make a jump up. But I again, I will. Las challenge, Vegas is more lucrative. I will challenge everyone out there when we talk about conference realignment. Name me the last small market school slash city that got added. Because I really think you have to go back to Virginia Tech and Blacksburg. That's a long time ago that VTech joined the ACC. In recent years, look at the look at the schools and cities that have made the jump. D.C., New Jersey slash New York, right? Now Nebraska got into the Big Ten, but that they were already in the Power Five. Recently, Orlando and Central Florida, Salt Lake and BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. 
we're, we're moving in a different direction. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are small, smaller city people who are like, we want ours. Times are changing. A power, a power five conference does not want to go. There's no disrespect to the city of Boise. I've been, I've visited Boise. I've gone up to Boise. It's a great place. I, it's it's a Love fantastic it. college town, and it's a fantastic little like they're de- the downtown area, walking around the bars, hanging out. You know, I did that about 25 years ago. It is not a power five city, and and if you were to weigh the uh, your options, if you had Boise, Idaho, Las Vegas, Nevada. Power Five's coming here. Number three. So we've got a new announcer in town for the Las Vegas Raiders. Jason Horowitz, hired to replace the legendary Brent Musburger. Interesting hire. Real interesting hire. We talked to Jason Fitz, who works for ESPN National, does Spain and Fitz, does a lot of anchoring of college and NFL coverage for ESPN also fills in often and is a regular guest over on Raider Nation Radio 920 is actually a guy who was born in Las Vegas. He's a Raiders fan. And this morning we actually had him on. John Von Tobel asked him a question about the popularity of this radio gig. Is this Raiders radio gig a really good job? Vegas is a polarizing city. So not everybody wants to live in Vegas. So it's funny because is that that gig itself viewed as, yes, elite? Absolutely, 100% franchises with the franchises does everybody want to be around vegas that much the answer to that is no and you know for me personally i look at vegas as a, as a plus on any gig but there are plenty of people that look at it as a minus so i think that complicates things a little bit you know vegas we have to remember sometimes is a 40 something ranked media market which makes some of this a little more complicated Ooh, had you thought of that that Jason Fitz, national broadcaster, is basically suggesting that maybe the pool for the Raiders play-by-play job wasn't as big as we think because either people don't want to live in Vegas or they look at it and they're like, that's a tiny market. I'm not leaving you know, whatever top 10 market I'm in now to go to Little Vegas. Oh, don't cut. Stay calm. Well, you have stay a, calm. You have I know you are the the tried and true defender no, no, of Sin City. No, but it makes sense. Be, what he's saying in terms of me, because if you are a play by play guy, you're working. So you got 17 days of the year that you work. You work more than that, but yes. What do you do? I mean, you're you're preparing for your. Well, show. I don't know what the Raiders were requiring 17. of the job. Brian Custer seemed to suggest he's an ESPN broadcaster that the Raiders were asking him to drop ESPN and come out here. And Jason Fitch just suggested that the job might require living in Las Vegas. Well, yeah, you're going to have to move out here. But what I'm saying is, what what else? Yeah, that's not all you're doing. 17 weeks. Hmm. 17 weeks. So you're preparing for the for each game. You're studying the team. But then, then what are you doing the rest of the time? You, did, I, I guess what he's saying, I, or I would imagine. We have some very fine blogs out here that someone could work for. <laughs> I get your point. Like, how else are you going to make money? Yeah, uh, but I would assume unless the Raiders, you're paying unless you're paying enough bank where the other right thirty five weeks of the year you're good. Don't worry about it. By the way, it hit me. I was like, "Wow, Jason Fitz." Hmm. I bet you he wanted the job. Did you put in for the job? Uh, I made it clear that I would love to to have had the opportunity. Yes, but also he's wildly more qualified than I am. So, not working for the Raiders is not something that. Hurts my heart. I have a great job with ESPN, but would I have loved that opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there you go. Jason Fitz wanted the job. Did not get it. 
Brian Custer wanted the job, turned it down. We'll get the rest of the list at some point. Did you hear anything today? Was there any scuttlebutt about the new radio voice replacing Brent Musburger? Did you get any insight? Do you have any scoops? If not, Adam Hill's coming up in 15. He'll tell us. What do you have? I have nothing, but I did bring up your choice. Uh, and I can't remember who I was talking to. Uh, oh, it was our guy, MT, because he was saying we're all set for today with Kirk. And Mike Taylor from the Raiders. He said Kirk PR did some work with Beth Mullins. Yes. And I said, oh, yeah, play by play. He said, yeah, during the preseason. Did you, I, did you did you mention my name? I did. Yeah. Cofield. I, said, I, said, I said Steve Cofield said yep. that she would Number be great one choice. for yes. She should have been or Horowitz is good. Uh but I, I I told you back in June my top 3 candidates were Beth Mowens. Yep. Dan Duva, steal him away from the Knights. He's awesome. Or JT the Brick. Those are the top 3 choices. No, you went 0 for 3. I really was building up eyes in the last week. I thought I might get a good guess in, but that was a big target. Who? Rich Eisen. Oh, Eisen. Yeah, Rich Eisen. I said it quickly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rich Eisen. All right, top story. Number one. You know, personnel people, GMs specifically, and coaches can have a certain bit of arrogance when they build their team, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, they're the ones... Judging if this position or that position is up to snuff. And I know you made like a full-throated backing of the Raiders offensive line yesterday, trying to just crush me in saying that. Like I don't I I think it's it's I think it's a point we need to worry about. But you said, hey, guys can get better. And I started thinking of the Niners, right? And I wanted to ask you. Arrogance probably not the right word. Which team has potentially made a bigger mistake for this year? The Raiders, by not going out and spending money on the offensive line. And by the way, they had money. Like, they could have, Willie, not spent the picks and the money on Devontae Adams and spread that to a couple of offensive linemen, right? And retain the picks. But they wanted Devontae Adams. They want to have a super-powered offense as far as the skill players. So could that be the the, the botched move of the offseason, or is it what's going on right now with the Niners? The Niners arguably are a tick better than the Raiders, and they're now going to put their entire fortunes in the hands of Trey Lance. And there are a lot of people around the league who are like, Man, and we're talking about personnel people. Of course, they're not going to put their names on it. GMs aren't going to put their names on it. But they've, you know, there's been some stories with anonymous NFL people where they're like, ooh, this guy ain't ready. So, what could be the more devastating mistake? The Raiders giving a bunch of guys, you know, it's, third and fourth round picks a chance to turn into a good line, or Trey Lance being the quarterback. And on top of that, Jimmy G's out. By the way, right. really weird right that's, now. Really weird, weird mood around the Niners with Jimmy G. I don't get what's going on. What do you what do you think? Like at the end of the year, of the two teams, which one are you gonna look at and go, oh my God, what, why did they do that? Why did you do that? Karen Ziegler? Shanahan? Sorry, I did my good fellows there. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everyone got that. Leo. I feel bad for the name Karen. Yeah. It's yeah. Um yeah. I'm going to have to say 
the 49ers because you know what that's the right answer you're looking at it's an opinion but that's the right here's answer. the thing you, you so here's how i weigh it yeah. kyle shanahan and john lynch josh mcdaniels and dave ziegler the pedigree they see something each 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 of each pair sees something in what in the decision they made right shanahan and lynch see something in Getting rid of Jimmy G. We're going to pass. Whereas uh, Ziegler and McDaniels has confidence in this line that they can build it and improve it. Well, I'm going to go with the rings. The more rings. Shannon has a good coaching pedigree. His father, Lynch, he's been around. I'm putting my trust in the Patriots way. I'm going to hit this argument like 500 feet. Way out of the park on the way back. I'm going to tell you why the Niners are the ones who I, I think are going to be looking real arrogant after this year. A lot of people are going to be like, what did you do with this position at quarterback? You messed it up. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I like all of their mentality. You know, this is a working group. Um, not going to point anybody out because everybody's working their tails off and, and they know that the only way that we're going to get where we need to be is to prepare and they know it's going to be hard. That's probably the biggest trait that I like out of this group is um, they're not afraid when it gets hard. They fight through and they push through. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. The new Basaccia. The new Basaccia. Coach McMahon, special teams. Big day at Raiders. Talk today, Adam Hill coming up in about 10 minutes. Give us the skinny on everything that went down, including, I guess, a sponsor was out there, so there's some sort of charity thing going on with Pretty cool, actually. Daniel Carlson, so that's coming up. We'll explain that in 10. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking today just about the, the you know, kind of the arrogance that goes into building a football team, and you got to make decisions sometimes, and they blow up in your face, and, you know, the Raiders have made some decisions right now. They have money. They can go out and potentially get some help. For the offensive line, at defensive tackle, at one of the cornerback spots. And I was kind of comparing the Raiders' decision to not go with their money and acquisitions to get some big names on the O-line, instead going with Devontae Adams. Is that going to blow up in their face? Versus the Niners. The Niners have Jimmy G. They're done with him. They think it's now Trey Lance's time. And they were aggressive you know, in getting Trey Lance. You remember all the fake rumors about them getting Mac Jones? Which, by the way, Mac Jones will forever be compared to Trey Lance because it looks like Mac Jones is at least like a top half of the league quarterback. This thing with Lynch and Little Shanny could be a friggin' disaster. Right? Yes. They run a beautiful offense. They've drafted good players on defense. They've got studs all over the field. If the quarterback is like the 25th-ranked quarterback, you ain't making the playoffs. That he could he could ruin the whole freaking thing, but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the cherry on top, and this is why the Niners win. In terms of at the end of the year, people are gonna look back and go, "What, what were you guys doing?" I don't. This has not been talked about enough. You know when Tom Brady was available, and you remember the whole thing with you know Adam Hill was out yeah. at USC. Brady's talking to Davis. Oh, did Tom Brady buy some real estate in Summerlin? All the rumor mill was going. Oh, you know, I think he's going to Tennessee. He was down there. You know. He's admitted since, Brady, that he was really pissed off because he told the Niners he wanted to go there. And Lil Shanny and Lynch were like, nah, too old. 
They didn't say that outright, but like I, I would assume their attitude was he doesn't have much left in the tank. We'll pass. We don't believe in him. My God, what if they had Tom Brady the last couple of years? Imagine. And this year, even though he's a hundred, Tom Brady at two hundred years old, right? A fossil of Tom Brady is still better than freaking Trey Lance. They have a really good team. And I don't think we, like, we don't talk about They made a decision to pass on Tom Brady and stick with Jimmy G and eventually draft Trey Lance. Lance. Holy crap. This could be a monumental <laughs> flop of a decision. And I will correct you on one thing. Mac Jones will not go into this season, next season, the following season being compared to Trey Lance. He will always be compared to Tom Brady. Well, I just meant from the same draft class. No, I understand. And the rumors were the Niners used Mac Jones like as a smokescreen, and then they don't draft him in any lands with the Patriots. (laughs) And like I don't think the Patriots are good, but right now, I mean, listen, Trey Lance, Mac Jones may turn out to be really good. Boy, they're rolling Mm -hmm. the dice. They're rolling it big time. Right, I think Mac Jones will be a better quarterback than Trey Lance. There's no doubt in my mind. Give me one second here. Okay. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. I was trying to hit the look-up machine. Little Shanny, Mike Shanahan's son, is, has been dubbed a genius, right? People think he's freaking awesome. Mm. There is a little pressure on this guy. Now, let's say he he did take Jimmy G and that team to the NFC Championship game last year. But he is now 39 and 42 in his career. Last two years, 16 and 17. Will they have gone 16 and 17 with Tom Brady? Just say no. I want to ask the answer. No. Do you have a question for me, or, or is it something Adam Hill can answer? Can Adam Hill get involved in this? Adam Hill could get involved in anything. Okay, save it for after the break. We're going to get to Adam. We go behind the patch. Adam Hill is at uh, Raiders camp every single day, so we want to find out what he saw today as the pads went on. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Yeah, you know, every time I see him, it seems to get shorter, which is not how hair works. I think he's been getting haircuts behind my back. Don't love that. You know, I ask him every day if he feels good about it, if he looks himself in the mirror and feels good about his hair, and it seems like he does right now. So, you know, I'm happy for him. Obviously, I'm a fan of length. But we brought in guys like Brandon Bolden, Matt Collins, who are kind of holding it down on that, that side of the ball. So it's good. It's time for the latest Raiders news and updates with Adam Hill. Behind the Patch. Oh, they really went behind the patch with AJ Cole, the punter, talking hair game, talking about Derek Carr there. Adam Hill is with us. Still a decent head of hair, but not like it used to be. He'll admit that. Adam, how you doing, buddy? Uh, it's fantastic, and uh, you might as well display the rest of the ten minutes of AJ Cole. It's better than anything I have. It was. It was the. It was. I don't know, Adam. In the first, uh, what are we at? Seven, six, seven days now. I. It, it might have been the best one. Might have. First of all, I mean, I get annoyed because I'm so protective, but but I've been, <laughs> I've been screaming the the singing the praise of AJ Cole for so long, and then he leaves the room today, and all these you know Johnny Come Latelys in the media room are, wow, he's really good. Yeah, no kidding, uh, no kidding. We know that he's fantastic, uh, always entertaining. I don't know how much the the Raiders PR staff loves. 
uh, him talking because I, I suggested last year they just bring him in, to, you know, pretty much uh, every three or four days. Uh, and they said, no, that's not going to happen. But uh, I, I, I love it. It's great. And we're almost back to being in the locker room. We can just talk to him every day. So we, that's true. That's true. And, and and it was great. But it was was it Carlson? I, now it escapes me because I was sitting right behind you. But who was it? Was it one of the two, him or Carlson? And they said, yeah, isn't it great? First day in pads, and you get us special teams guys. Yeah, it was, that was AJ Cole. And he, he realized it. And uh, it was something that we were talking about. And uh, he brought it up because he was asked, uh, a question about, hey, what's it like? You guys have the pads on for the first time. I know you're not hitting, but you got to see it. And he, you know, he kind of acknowledged the elephant in the room. He said, yeah, you guys are probably thrilled. He said, uh, you're definitely going to have your work cut out for you today. First day in pads, you want to talk about all the hitting, and you've got the kicker in the pocket. That's right. That's right. That is correct. But, you know, yep. here's here's one thing real quick off the Raiders uh, for a subject because – Steve keeps ignoring me about this, but I don't care. I'm going rogue, and I'm going to tell you it anyway, that you and I were the best dressed in the uh, room today. Yeah, true. True. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, un- I don't know un- about Unplanned, that. but it just goes to show how great ma- minds do think alike. All right, so I I, I couldn't Would you like it. to mention what you had on and why it was so good? <laughs> no. No, I'm just going to leave it. We're, we're, we're both rocking uh, Boys in the Hood t-shirts. Okay. It, was, yeah. it was the right move. Yeah. For the audience, I will take a picture while Willie does the interview and send that out on social media. <laughs> Go ahead, Willie, continue. Oh, now Steve's salty. No, no, he's, no. He's been, he's been cracking jokes all show, off the air, on the air, yeah. making silly mentions. Oh, cranky. And now cranky. all of a sudden, get the get, get the kid a snack, would you? Um, well, hasn't, hasn't Steve been in the air for like 14 hours straight today? He has, so, so we got to give him a break. <laughs> His throat's wearing out. Um, so I, I couldn't take the heat at a, at a certain point, uh, and I and I went in to start on my story. You uh, you you backed off into I believe into the media tent a little bit, but you kept your eye on everything. Oh what? No, not not once. <laughs> oh, you not once. Okay, not once. You stayed out. You braved the humidity. Oh uh, it, was, it was warm, man. And, uh, the players were mentioning actually. Uh, uh, who Demarcus Robinson kind of pointed out it was it was hot today. Yeah. There's no question, and it was actually more more than anything. It was humid out there. It was uh it was a tough one. I think we saw more players than ever uh, run into the ice box to yeah. cool down for a little bit. Even uh, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, who had not seen go in, both went in today. It was uh, it was it was tough. What did you take from once they started so much scrimmage in hitting? Because um, it be given that it's their first day in pass. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I think we should point out. I think it's it's important to point out that the uh, the Josh McDaniels philosophy is no tackling in training camp, uh, so they still won't be tackling. Uh, won't, be, won't be tackling fully to the ground. I mean, they're hitting. There's contact for sure. Right. Uh, but he said, you know, health more important than anything else. No tackling all the way to the ground. Uh, you'll get your tackling practice during the uh, the preseason games, and the Raiders do have one extra uh, preseason game to get that. So I think that factors into that as well. Uh, the fact that they don't want to tackle uh, during training camp, but uh, there were some some pads popping for sure. I think we saw a little bit of you know more one-on-one competitive, uh, you know, receiver versus DB drills. Yeah, uh, we got to see a uh, uh, one drill that I really liked, which was a receiver on uh, basically corners and safeties, uh, one-on-one blocking, and then a, a running back would try to you know find a hole and either run to the inside or outside wherever there was a space and the. Defensive yep. player trying to make a tackle that was good, and then uh, they went full out, you know, full speed, live hitting, uh, goal line drill for just a couple of minutes at the end of practice, which I know uh, the uh, offensive line were very fired up about. Uh, but 
the defense completely dominated that uh, that goal line drill. Uh, no doubt about it. And I think nobody is nobody is shocked to know that uh, when the pads went on in full and the the hitting kind of ratcheted up a little bit, Denzel Perryman made the biggest play of the practice. Yeah, and I appreciate the assist on that, by the way. You, you, you even gave me a nice tidbit for my story. Um, I was watching the receiver DB drill as well. I was still out there for that before they um, sort of got to the, the hitting. Um, and I thought that the DBs got the best of the wide receivers from what I saw, the group that I was watching. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. You're talking about the uh, the the running drill or the passing? Like, pa- the, the passing, the passing drill. Be right before they did the running, because then I believe as they got closer, and then because I, I I was keeping my eye on Josh. I was see for the story I was writing. I was wanting to watch um, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and Denzel Perryman with everything that they were doing. So I at least had some scenery to paint in the story that I wrote. So I was paying attention, especially on those drills. And I just thought that the DBs got the best of the receivers in, in pass coverage. Yeah, I thought so for sure. And I think the coverage was good. I would say um, the other part I'll take away from that. And uh, just to, you know, to be fair about it is that Jared Stidham has had some really, really good practices. And uh, today wasn't his best. And uh, I thought that there was open receivers that he wasn't able to hit, and the DBs were helped out a little bit by that as well because uh, the field closest to us was uh, was Jarek Stidham that was the one throwing the passes for the most part. There was some Chase Garbers in there as well, but I think Derek Carr was throwing on the middle field uh, away from us. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to take away too much from what the DBs did, but uh, they were helped out a little bit by some struggles from the quarterbacks. So the defense, I would say overall, again, uh, for you know, you know, definitely the second time in three days at least, had the better practice in the offense today. What? Let me ask you this, because you know the quarterbacks obviously wearing the red jerseys, pads or not, that it's not going to matter. They might come under a little bit of pressure, just you know, in terms of someone maybe getting by or whatever drills they're running. How would you assess the first week or so of Derek Carr? What you've seen? I mean, as far as training camp shape, conditioning shape, where where's he at? In your assessment, arm strength. Uh, you know, sharpness in 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 uh, aim, so on and so forth. Just chemistry with his receivers. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say in general. Um, I, I would say today, you know, he had a couple of really nice throws. He had a, he had a good practice overall today. It was pretty decent practice yesterday as well. Uh, I believe it was Sunday. Oh uh, yeah, Sunday I think it was where he was just horrific, just terrible. Like the whole day, everything was off. Nothing was good. Uh, the weather wasn't great. There was some wind, for sure, uh, that was kicking up. But you, you just kind of watched and said, "Man, something's wrong. Something's off uh, with him." And he just was out of sync for the most part. Uh, but those things happen. Like you know, don't I wouldn't over overreact, freak out. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, the, the reports out of Buffalo yesterday where uh, Josh Allen was just a brutal player, and you just watch and say, "What? What is that person?" And then today, uh, everybody kind of breathed a sigh of relief and he was good. Uh, Derek Carr's been good the last couple of days. He just had a really bad practice the other day. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you saw him kind of bounce back, and Stidham has been up and down a little bit. I had some really, really good practices, some down ones, and, um, you know, you don't you don't freak out about that early in camp, and I think you uh, you almost want to see that. So so players have things to work on and talk about and uh, kind of dissect and break down a little bit. And uh, it's about the middle of the season. You have a game coming up this week, so you can work through some of those things. And I thought uh, he's bounced back to some really nice practices lately, and, 
uh, today, probably at his best one. And uh, I know a lot of people saw the throw that the Raiders posted of just a, a perfect throw down the left sideline uh, that Carr threw to uh, Devontae Adams. And I know people get excited about that one. Okay, so I've been waiting to be on the air with you specifically. Um, and I'm not backing off my original Willie's hot takes from last month. But oh, I will is, say... Was, I, is this the, uh, what, Josh Jacobs was getting cut? Was that the one? I didn't. I never even used those words. You put words. Now you now you're playing the Cofield game. That's not even my. That's not even your style. How dare you? Uh, but what I will say is that I, Josh Jacobs has looked pretty good. Incredible. Yeah. It's been his best camp. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah. He looks. He looks so fast right now. Um, and I think you know, even though he said it wasn't the case, uh, he didn't have his fifth year option picked up. But I think that was a huge signal. Uh, to uh, you know, whatever you know, I don't want to say that he wasn't working hard or anything like that. I just I think he he realized, hey, time to uh, time to step up, and you're you're playing for a contract, and that's usually a message to a lot of players. And I I don't know if that was the message or just the fact that he was able to get some rest and be healthy. But uh, he looks explosive. His first step is great. He's hitting the hole, just kind of going. Uh, he's been very, very good and uh, looked good as a receiver out of the backfield as well, which I think will be important in this offense. Behind the patch, Adam Hill, Raiders insider. Willie's a Raiders insider as well. Catching us up on what happened today. Was there a, a sponsor out there, uh, some sort of charity deal announced with kicking? Yeah. Uh, Daniel Carlson, uh, the, the deal he had last year with uh, Credit One, you know, local uh, banking of the community, uh, $2,000, I believe it is, for every extra point that they make. I know Ooh. they talked about doing it for field goals, but uh, I think they want to make it more of a team success thing. So, you you know, an extra point is after a touchdown. So uh, they prefer to do it that way. So $2,000 for every extra point uh, goes to the Boys and Girls Club. And I uh, don't want to get it wrong. I think it's the After School Heroes. That's it. Is what it is? Yep. Uh, so two uh, local uh, things we created. I think it's important to point out because – you know, a lot of players have these these charity agreements, and they do the the things in the community. And a lot of players do really really good things in the community. But uh, talking to some of the people there, and they brought it up on the you know on the announcement, but also just kind of talking to them off after. Um, apparently, Daniel Carlson not only uh, participates in this program and you know makes the extra points for uh, for charity and donates that money, but he is, he shows up. Yeah. And, you know, I know that Daniel Carlson lives very close to the facility, lives very close to me, he's a neighbor of mine, uh, the local Boys and Girls Club down the street. He apparently shows up quite often and uh, just dominates the kids in Sharks and Minnows, which I think is a, is a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating development where he just, he's the shark and he just, he just controls the waters in the pool. And he goes, what she had said, I believe, is that he just, he as Adam said, shows up, but, like, there's no commitment, there's no... It's not like, well, you have to, you know, well, I've dedicated this many hours. He just goes to, to go, and he That's has cool. fun with the kids. It's all after-school all-stars. is, is I just, cause oh, they, they actually yeah. they finally just sent out the press release on that, but Adam had the scoop before the press release nice. came. Nice, yeah. very nice. It, 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 you know, to that point, I mean, Data Carlson could easily tell one of the PR people or even just tell us, like, hey, I'm going over to this yeah. Boys and Girls Club. Why don't you come over? Like, he, doesn't, he, he no. just goes and does it. And uh, and I thought it was funny. He said, "You know, it's tough. You go to practice. There's all these great athletes, and you you know, kind of you kind of feel slow." He's like, "It's nice to get out there and uh, kind of dominate the third graders and know that you're a good athlete." <laughs> we got to close out on a 
late notes. Uh, I'm going to tie together the morning show and this show, as we do all the time. We have a lot of synergy. Um, John Von Tobel was asking uh, the co-host of the morning show if he could do a show with someone he hated. Because we just saw this Today Show, Hoda Kopi, uh, Savannah Guthrie apparently hate each other, but they act like they love each other. And yeah, that's real professionals. And, you know, Adam knows about radio shows that have been like that. Adam, sure. could you... First of all, Adam, well, Adam does hate some people, but uh, I was going to say he doesn't hate anybody. But could you do a show and be a professional and do it with someone you hate? I'll do it two or three days a week. That's what I thought, actually. And I said that. Uh, I Whenever said that, you team the two of us up, what are you talking about? Oh, no, I, I said that. I said that this morning. So let me let me let me tie this in. I don't know what's going on. The Atlanta radio station, six eighty, the fan. This is this is an Adam Hill poll question. Oh boy, right. There's a guy, uh, Matt Chernoff, who's on the show on 680 The Fan. Their poll question today was, would you miss Matt if he died? Jesus. <laughs> um, 35% of 650 responders said no. Okay, it was, it was like, uh, wow. And, and people responded like, dark poll, man, real dark. Another person was like, Jesus, it's gotten grim at 680. Uh, can I re- make a request that we don't do this poll question for me? I don't want to see the results. Uh, I don't want to see the 90% no yes. uh, on me, so please, Ari, don't, don't post that. Uh, no, in all honesty, like, I don't know that I could. I've thought about it. You, you mentioned it. My, you know, one of my favorite programs in history yeah. uh, fell apart because the two co-hosts who were very successful hated each other um, for the last you know nine years that they worked together. Uh, so I've thought about it a lot. I, I don't know that I could. Necessarily, I, I mean, said I said no. We, I said no, and especially I'm like I'm way too old to be doing this and be and like dreading going in. But I, but I also you know I, I also came over the top with like the fact that Greeny and Golick did a show for five years together and never talked during the break. I give him credit. That's hard. We, they were we, making a lot of we money. We don't either. I mean, I know Willie does during the breaks because he just he talks all the time. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you and I. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you and I, though, I mean, we like as soon as we go to break, the talking stops. And I know it's off. I'm sure it's awkward for Ari and everybody else that worked with us. Yeah, but like uh, nobody talk, nobody talks. Yeah, but Adam, you you are the you are the quietest during a break because I would say 65 percent of the time that you when a break comes, you're working on He's working. one of the 17 stories you tur- churn out a day. Huh. Sure, or or looking up, you know, re- looking up stuff for what you're going to talk about, or yeah. scrolling Twitter to see if anybody's made any comments or any new news has happened, or all that. I mean, you're doing all that stuff, and so, um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's possible. But like the like I said, I think people probably assume if they're around that that people aren't getting along because nobody's talking in the studio. But right. if it actually was genuine like hate, I I don't know that it would work. <laughs> I I don't know how long it would work for. I mean, could you do it for a day? Sure. Yeah. I think you pull that off, but like a regular show, that that'd be real tough. All right. Well, before Steve says goodbye, just make sure you text me as <laughs> to what T-shirt you're wearing tomorrow. No, we gotta we, we have to wear something different. We can't exactly. do the same. That's every my day. point. We're gonna match every That's my day. point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. We appreciate it. Thank you. Probably something karate kid. Karate kid. All right, little yeah. Cobra Kai. There you go. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven. Giveaway. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Saturday, August sixth. Allegiant Stadium. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab your tickets. But Ari's got a pair. August sixth. That's a Saturday at the Owl. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Three six four eleven hundred. 
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. You going to do any road trips with the Raiders? Or all in town? I'll stay in town. Yeah, nothing big enough to go out of town? Well, it's... Not even Chargers, Rams, right down the road? It... It it, it it would make sense, but the problem is is that just like AP has somebody, whether it's a full-timer or a correspondent in every city. So oh, okay. it would be on my dime. Now, yeah, yeah. now let's say, for instance, the Chargers are in town. The Ram, Well, it couldn't be the Chargers and the Rams at the same time. But let's say that everybody's being spread thin and there's not enough correspondents to help the full-timers. You say, hey, Willie, can you get down there? And and be the number two, like here I have a number two with me. Then I would, yeah, I would consider it one. Have you been to SoFi? No. Beautiful. No. Different than Allegiant, gargantuan. There would there, there might different. be there might be a time where I'll like I'll I'll it'll be on my dime, but I'll definitely get a press credential. I'm never going to buy a ticket to a. So on SoFi, Rams and Chargers are sharing SoFi. Yeah. Qualcomm's gone. Where the Chargers played four years, you know, old Jack Murphy Stadium, gone. They raised it. Blown up. Gone. San Diego State built a new football stadium there. That is expandable. Could it ever be an NFL stadium? I don't know. It holds 35,000. They sent out some videos. Well, when I say they, uh, sports radio station, Extra 1360 in San Diego, had a couple of their hosts at the stadium doing a bunch of video. You saw some quick videos. What do you think? I think it's not. I think it's renovated. I think it's going to be. Well, not renovated. This is a stadium. Or not renovated. Excuse me. Yeah, you're from right, the ground right, right, up, right, yeah, yeah. a brand new 35,000 seat stadium. You know why I say that is because we just got done talking about what they have left to do. And it's sort of like what they have left. They're going to. It looks like, oh my gosh, they have to have this done in five weeks. But it looks like they're just renovating they a house. They showed a lot it's, of the, the yeah, clubs and the yeah. bowels of the stadium. And yeah. I was like, whoa, they got to hustle up to get yeah. this thing done but, for September 3rd. I think it is Arizona yes. is in town. Yeah. No, it looks nice, and it looks the the thing that's cool about it is it it looks like a big time college football stadium, so it's pretty cool. And it's size appropriate for that market because yeah. they never really got more than like thirty thousand at Qualcomm, but it looked ridiculous because it was a cavernous well and, old and, stadium. And what they're building is going to help to cater to other needs because they San Diego's amongst the cities being considered for hosting matches. During the 2031 Rugby World Cup and the 2033 Women's Rugby World Cup. So, I mean, not big earth-shattering events, but in their world it is. And the fact that it's attracting from 2022 to 2031 in between that time, they're going to get some big events. If you were a Chargers fan and you walked on the old Qualcomm property and you see the stadium, what's your first thought? Because if it's I'd, me, I'd be pissed. I would be pissed. I mean, I would be furious. Because I don't know if people remember the history of the Spanos struggles with San Diego to get the stadium. They insisted on the stadium being down in the gas lamp. And the money and the support was not there. It went to a public vote. And in California and a lot of places, you get destroyed by the public. Because the public is like, we're not spending our money to subsidize billionaires. But here was the thing. 
the city did have money for them to build on Qualcomm. The city, and I don't know if it was the state, city, county, was going to pitch a bunch of money to build a brand new NFL stadium on the site of Qualcomm. But Spanos didn't want to be there, and I think ultimately he wanted to be in L.A. because he knows the value of his franchise is a lot more. So now look, now they've got a, they, they've used the site, they've got a 35,000-seat football stadium, and the friggin' Chargers are gone. And most of L.A. is not really going to gravitate to the Chargers unless no. they win really big, and they're going to have to do it every year for like the next eight years. And the Rams already have a Super Bowl. And the Rams got a Super Bowl. And now you've got this perfect piece of property that they could have just built a new stadium on, but Spanos wanted to play games, and you know, in the end, whenever he cashes out, he'll probably make more money. But San Diego should have an NFL team now. So we, we've talked endlessly on this show leading up to the season, and we still have five, six weeks to go. Um, that the Chargers are probably or should be considered the favorite in the AFC West. If they win the division and they were to get to the Super Bowl, does L.A. warm up to them? Or is it going to take more than that? Yeah, I mean, that's a big step. It's a big step, but they're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you moved. I mean, the Rams moved back to the market, but the Rams have a history going back over, you know, 50 years. You can't go to a place like L.A. where it's not as easy to draw for football. (laughs) As other places, and just expect everyone to jump on board. Now, the the advantage they have is, I think they, you know, they've got a guy who's probably going to be a top seven quarterback for the next ten years with health. So they nailed it on that one. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a battle. But if they had stayed in San Diego, those I mean, if they had Justin Herbert right now in San Diego and a new like fifty five thousand seat stadium, it would be a massive, massive deal. All right, great show with the guests. Thanks to uh, Ari for booking the show. Willie, don't forget Sunday Parkway Tavern way out there. Aces Watch Show. Down down by the um, Aces Watch Party.